Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Madiba. If you happen to be in our area, you are most welcome to visit us. You'll surely feel at home. We appreciate your prayers for our ministry. We hope today's sermon will be edifying to you, your family, and your friends. Welcome. Greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it's been a while since we spoke on this platform, but it is still a great privilege just to come and fellowship around the Word of God. Uh, I know that I received many emails and many notes, uh, people looking for us to make sermons available on this platform. And we are working on that to make sure that they are available uh, consistently. So we hope that the Lord is still keeping you uh, as we continue to pray for one another. Now, just before we go to the reading of the word, let's just say a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we invite you, dear God, before we open the word, may you just come and bring the illumination of revelation. And Lord, whoever would listen to this, may it be such a blessing. Anoint my lips, dear God, as we commit everything to you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. God bless you richly. Now, let us just turn to the book of Matthew 28, verse 17, until verse 20. Matthew 28, from verse 17, until verse 20, it reads in this manner. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. It's always the case that some would see him, some would worship him after seeing him, uh, but some would doubt him. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. 
Now, I want to speak on the Great Commission, but while speaking on the Great Commission, I'm not going to be so much on baptism, but I think we need to clear uh, something whenever we read this scripture. Uh, the Bible says Jesus spoke to them and said, Go ye unto all the nations and teach you all, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Ghost. We know that Father is not the name and the Son is not the name and the Holy Ghost is not the name. And for you to understand what was expected of them, read about it in Acts chapter 2 verse 38 and again read in Acts uh, chapter 19 when Paul commanded some of the disciples of John to be rebaptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I think those are the fundamentals but per adventure that this video may lend into the hands of somebody that has got no prior knowledge behind this. A father is not a name. I am a father but that's not my name. I am the son. That's not my name. I am the body, but body is not my name. So father, son, and Holy Ghost is not a name. That's why he told them to go and tear in Jerusalem so that they, after they could receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and thereafter the Holy Ghost would teach them all things. Then in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, we found them baptizing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's never... In the history of the Bible, there's never been any person that has ever been baptized in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And that is the challenge that we are putting out there. And I think if you were to write the check in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost at the bank, it would bounce because there is no name. Those are the titles. So I thought, let me just clear that for those that may come across this video that have got no prior knowledge to the teach, true teaching on water baptism. But I want to speak on the Great Commission. The Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. So he did not request. He commanded us to carry out the Great Commission. Now, uh, we live during a time where the Great Commission has been neglected. And as a result, many of us are guilty of not carrying out the Great Commission. Now, in Mark 13, verse 10, it reads in this manner, And the gospel must first be published among all nations. The gospel must first be published among all nations. In Psalm 68 verse 11, the scripture says, The Lord gave the weight. Great was the company of those that published it. I'm just getting all those scriptures to back up the fact that we have to carry out the Great Commission. It's not a request. It is a commandment. And whenever a commandment is issued by the Lord, it has to be carried out by us. Now, there's just something that I want to speak about here, looking at the issue of the commandment. We are told that statistically there are 
107 people who die every minute in the world. 107 people die every minute in the world. And 68 of them know nothing about the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't such a tragedy that for every minute, 107 people die, but that is not the tragedy because we are not here forever. It's expected. Statistically, one out of one will die. Uh, but when you bring the biblical equation in our time, there will be a rapture. We know about it. Now, but the sad part is that 68 people every minute around the globe are dying without having known the Lord Jesus Christ. And whose responsibility is it that these people should know the Lord Jesus Christ? It is your responsibility. It is my responsibility. And a lot of times they do not know the Lord Jesus Christ because we have not carried out the Great Commission. And we are going to look into some of the things that have derailed us from carrying out the Great Commission. Now, 68, that's quite a lot of number. Now, the prophet of God says in this message, what the Holy, in the message, what was the Holy Ghost given for? Paragraph 31. He says, that's what the Holy Spirit does to a man or a woman when it strikes into their heart and takes its abode, there is a thirst and a hungering for lost souls. Now, we know we live during a time where people are looking for the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but your prophet is teaching us that once the Holy Ghost takes abode in a man, it triggers a thirst and a hunger for the lost souls. That means when the Holy Ghost is in you, you would never be able to come in contact with an individual who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ without or leaving them without having spoken to them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the question would be, how many of us, whenever we meet either a stranger, you're on a bus, you're with somebody, or maybe you are at work, you're at school, how many of us are conscious of the Great Commission wherever we may be? Because remember, the Great Commission is not only for the pastor, it's not only for the evangelist, but it is for every Christian to carry out the Great Commission. Now, statistically, we are seeing almost 68 people die every minute without knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the prophet says, when the Holy Ghost comes into a man, it triggers a thirst and a hunger for the lost souls. Now, the prophet says in this message, the end time, paragraph 4, he says that, he says, I believe that Every Christian is obligated to be a missionary. I believe every Christian is obligated because it's a great commission. It's a commandment. Now, not so, not so much as you have to go over in the old countries and preach or something. But if you can't go, you, you can help send somebody else. Now, 
you cannot maybe you are a sister you can't go around the world and become a missionary but everyone is obligated to be a missionary in a sense that either you become a missionary where you are or you support a missionary to go around and spread the gospel the problem today it is quite amazing that the the early church was never confined to a church building. The early churches spent most of the time outside the church building, moving from city to city, from family to family, spreading the good gospel. But later on in our time, the church has now become inward focused. That is why we concentrate on the best buildings. We want to have the best audiovisual system, the best aircon because we are comfortable within the four walls of the church. And most churches today are no longer missionary oriented. And some of our missionaries that used to be on fire for God, looking for lost souls, have now somewhat retired to their corners. And some of them that were great missionaries that could have gone around and set the world ablaze with the gospel, some of them have been overtaken by a pastoral ambition. We live during a time where everybody would want to be a pastor, even evangelists that were meant to be evangelists now have got aspiration for pastorship. Now, let me put it this way. If an evangelist evangelist attempts to be a pastor he would be a pastor he can he can make a thousand to repent in no time because that is the work of the evangelist but unless he hands over those souls to a pastor and he dares to pastor those souls within a year or within six months that thousand will be gone because the ministry of the evangelist is to bring a condemnation to a sinner. But once the sinner has been condemned, then you need a teaching to place a sinner positionally. You cannot. There is no way that an evangelist can be able to place people positionally based on the teaching. But again, when the church only has a teaching ministry, that means the church would not have uh, an outreach would not be able to go to the streets and get the sinners, raw sinners, and bring them back into church. The problem, I'm going to read a quotation later on, where you see that instead of us going, complementing one another, collaborating with each other in order to take the gospel to the sinners, we have now become so inward focused until such time today we even celebrate movement of believers between assemblies. I've got news for you. When a believer moves from church A to church B, there is no movement in heaven. Heaven is silent. Heaven is not interested in that because that is not addition to the kingdom. But when an unbeliever moves from the street and comes into the church and listen to the gospel or rather not come to the church, we go to the sinner in the street and the sinner hears the gospel and that gospel brings a condemnation and the sinner says, what brethren, what shall I do? Then that sinner repents. Then we are told the host of heaven rejoices over that. So 
in recent times because of inter movements in con among congregations we have been under illusion that we are growing and uh, a family can grow without birth in a sense of adoption a church can grow without a birth in terms of adoption and a movement within the churches either rightly so or wrongly so whatever motives may be there it does not contribute to the growth of the kingdom that we have to keep it at the top of our mind every christian is obligated to be a missionary we cannot overemphasize this enough every christian you that is listening to me, who you are a Christian, you are obligated to be a missionary or to support a missionary. Now, the prophet says in the message at the end time, paragraph 2, he says it's not fair that one person hear the gospel twice. Goodness. It is not fair that one person hears the gospel twice. Then he says... When somebody hasn't heard it once, it's not fair that one person hear the gospel twice when somebody hasn't heard it once. See, everybody should hear the gospel at least once. I want to do my part to try to take the gospel to everybody that I know how every place. Now, that is what the prophet speaks about. He says, it is not a fair that you who's listening to me, you have heard the gospel not once, not twice, not thrice, many a times. But there is somebody out there, 68 souls that die without having heard anything about the Lord Jesus Christ. This should bring a condemnation to the church of the living God. And we need to ask ourselves, are we not guilty of the dereliction of duties as Christians? You know, in the message of the blushing prophet, the prophet says, God, forgive me for having spent my time on nonsensical things. He says, instead of doing that, I could I have won a million souls. I have won a million souls. I could have won 10 million souls. And the question in that message that he poses to the church, he says, since you became a Christian, how many souls have you brought into the kingdom of God? And he says, if you have not brought any soul, you are guilty because you are spiritually barren. This has got to pinch our spiritual conscience. When was the last time you spoke to somebody about the gospel and persuaded them until they made a decision that I must give my life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, I want to speak about a testimony. I worked for Coca-Cola Company. And Coca-Cola for a number of years has been the world's leading number one brand with billions of U.S. dollars. Coca-Cola is available in over 200 countries. The reason I'm giving this is just a testimony. One time, while I was still at Coca-Cola, I was in my office and then I got a call from reception. 
and the receptionist told me that you've got uh, visitors. Um, as I send them through, they don't have an appointment with you, but they want to see you. Then I said, let them come through. Then they were ushered into my office. It was an elderly white couple. And they took their seats in front of me. We greeted each other, introduced each other. Then they began by apologizing that, look, we've got no appointment with you. And we want to apologize, but we thought we should come because we felt an urge in our hearts that we have to come to Coca-Cola and speak to somebody at Coke, especially somebody that is in the marketing side. And I remember they asked me this question. It was actually the lady, uh, the wife of this gentleman, an elderly couple. She asked and said, look, we are puzzled. We have been to India. We are actually missionaries. These are the denominational missionaries. We have been to India. And we've been to different villages in India. And we've been to villages that have never heard anything about the Lord Jesus Christ. But in every village where we have been to, we found Coca-Cola available there. Then we, we have come to ask, why would Coca-Cola be so readily available everywhere, including in villages in India? But in the Lord Jesus Christ's name has not been known in those areas. Look, I'm the minister of the gospel. I'm at Coca-Cola. I'm listening to this couple asking me. And I looked at them because I almost fell off my chair because I said, Lord, are you, are you trying to tell me something here? There are quite a lot of people that that couple could have spoken to, but why did they pick me to attend to them and I happen to be a minister of the gospel? They had no knowledge. I did not know them. They did not know me, but here they are asking me. And in my mind, I quickly decoded the message to simply be that God is asking me as a representative of Coca-Cola from a marketing perspective, why am I able to make Coca-Cola to be known everywhere, even to the places where people have not known about the Lord Jesus Christ? I remember I explained what Coca-Cola is doing. And later I told them that it's quite ironic that you came to me because I happen to be the minister of the gospel. And I remember I told them that your visit you may think it was a nudge, but God sent you to me that I need to reprioritize in terms of what my focus is as the minister of the gospel. And later on, there are certain decisions that I made post that meeting, and I had discussion with the Lord about certain things, hence those decisions were made. But while we are here, because I've got knowledge of Coca-Cola, I've got the knowledge of the gospel. It is amazing that although Coca-Cola is the number one brand around the world for almost a century, they have never stopped investing in advertising. Every year they are spending 
multi-billion dollars in making sure that Coca-Cola remains at the top of the minds of people around the globe. But how many of us, as Christians, we get into an area, 10 or 15 people repent and come to the Lord, then in no time we reach complacency and say we've got only 10 believers here. Where I am in Whitbank, the population, last time I checked, it was standing to almost half a million. But when I look at the message churches in Whitbank, and I look at, the, at them in totality, is not even 0.01% of that. So there is people in Whitbank that have never heard anything about the gospel. Again, when it comes to Coca-Cola, they want to make sure that in every street, there is at least a shop that sells Coca-Cola. They celebrate when every outlet or every shop is available. They make sure that those outlets are opened. Now, here's my question. For a message church to open in a community, it brings the offense not to Satan, not only to Satan. Yes, Satan can be offended, but many times I wonder if he's really offended because most of the time, if a message just starts somewhere, maybe a brother starts the work of the Lord in a certain area, it is going to offend some believers somewhere. We don't celebrate new assemblies. Let me take it further. Coca-Cola spends billions of dollars to persuade young people to be hooked onto the brand. We've got a small bottle, which is a 300 mil. That bottle, that packaging was made, we call it a stock, uh, stop keeping unit, an SKU. That little bottle was designed and was made available that it must be available when it was still allowed, when companies were marketing to school kids, that pack was used to go to every school. We called it a recruitment pack that if you get them hooked on Coke much earlier, they are bound to remain with Coke for the rest of their lives. The prophet comes, he says, if one person has not, if you want, he says, if a person, if a young person, he says, actually, let me quote him. He says, statistically, make sure that the young ones receive Christ before the age of 21. He says, beyond the age of 21, it's difficult to bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Coke has realized the art of recruiting young people. My question, let us come back within the message community. Now I'm not speaking about denominations. Is there a deliberate effort to bring our young ones to Christ before they reach 21? We've got young ones that are growing in the message, born in the message, dedicated in the message, and they grow, they are not baptized, and no one is saying anything about it, and later on they leave. And once they leave, Brother Ron says it's difficult to bring them once they have passed the age of 21. I can go on running the parallel between Coca-Cola brand and what we are doing to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it is, for me, where I'm sitting, it should be shameful that the Coca-Cola brand that has got no eternal life would be known globally 
while the name of Jesus Christ that carries the power of divine healing, the power of resurrection, the power of salvation is not known around the world. Some unbelievers, they make skeptical remarks that Coca-Cola is more popular than the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to endorse that statement. And whoever would have said that statement, may God be merciful to them because the last time the Beatles said they were more popular than the Lord Jesus Christ, the man that said that statement, he vomited in, he, he died in his sleep because of the vomit. God cannot be mocked. Now, the prophet says in the message question and answers on the seals, paragraph 32, he says, see, the tapes has a worldwide ministry everywhere. Everywhere. It goes into all kinds of languages and everything. Here I need to take a couple of minutes. We have a worldwide tape ministry. The tapes would never, would never replace the preachers. I want to repeat, the tapes would never replace the teachers. And the question that we must ask, must we stop preaching and only listen to the tapes? I beg to differ because the scripture in Romans 10 verse 14 and verse 15 says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in, whom, in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings. Brethren, <laughs> the tapes are not here to replace the preachers. We still need to have the ministers that go out to the world that stand behind the pulpit to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ, those preachers must be influenced by the Bible and must be influenced by what the messenger has left on the tapes. We cannot, because the very tape says, if God is in your heart, you cannot wait for them doors to open on Sunday morning so that you can come and rejoice with the Lord. The tapes say, you must have a home church where you go and fellowship. The church, the tapes say, you must have a church where you support with your offerings and tithings. The tape says, you must have a pastor that you respect and you listen to. I can go on and on because the moment you want to replace the tape, and the tape says there will be young men, such as of your pastor, that will take this message and sweep it to the coming of the Lord. That is what the tape says. So if we really believe in the tapes, the first thing that we must do, we must have a home church. Secondly, we must have a pastor, we must have deacons, we must have trustees, we must have missionaries, we must have all those things that the tapes have spoken about. We cannot choose one aspect of the tape and only denominate around it. I beg to differ. I still believe that the tapes are critical. You cannot be a minister that is not listening to the tapes. Because how are you going to feed the people? Because we take from the messenger 
and we give it to the people. So the tapes are critical. I don't want to negate how important the tapes are, but in the same vein, the tapes are not here to negate the role of the fivefold ministry. What does the prophet of God say? In the message question and answers, paragraph 194, they asked him a question. Would the bride of Christ have a ministry before the rapture? He says, sure, that's what's going on right now. The bride of Christ, certainly, it is the message of the hour, the bride of Christ. She is consists of apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors. Is that right? That's the bride of Christ. Sure, she's got a ministry, great ministry. The ministry of the hour, it will be so humble. So the prophet tells us that, yes, we've got tapes, but it's in the same vein, the bride will have a ministry and it will have the fivefold ministry that, are, that is there to edify the church. But I'm still speaking on the great commission here, folks. The prophet in message question and answers, paragraph 179, he says, so I've watched for something. Has it slipped by us in humility and we've missed it? Is it gone and the church is left in her sins? If that be so, then it's later than you think. If not, then there's coming one with a message that's straight on the Bible. Folks, here I need to chip in. It's not referring to an eighth messenger. Brother Brenham wanted you to read between the lines. And says, if not, then there is coming one with a message that's straight on the Bible and quick work will cycle the earth. The seeds will go in newspapers, reading material, until every predestinated seed of God has heard it. None of them will come unless the Father has drawn them and everyone that the Father has drawn will hear it and come. That will be the predestinated seed will hear the word. Now, while we are here, a lot of people no longer witness because they say if they are predestinated, but the scripture says, how can they hear unless somebody goes to preach to them? And how can somebody preach to them unless they've been sent? The great commission is there. God has sent out every Christian to go and make disciples for his kingdom. Already we are sent. We've got a commission. But the question would be, are we carrying out the commission or are we comfortable? We have come to the point where we have made these denominations. We have made message denominations because the moment we fail to carry out the great commission, we denominate because we are not abiding to the great commission. I hope we are together here. Now, the prophet says, in the message investments, paragraph 256, he says, a man that would proselyte, bring believers from one group to another. It shows there is an emptiness there. He's working for an organization in state of the kingdom of God. Here's my question. How many people in the message of the hour are working for organizations in state of the kingdom of God? Because he says, a man that would proselyte, bring believers from one group to another. It shows there is an emptiness there. He's working for an organization instead of the kingdom of God. I don't care where they go to, as long as they are born of the spirit of God, they will live a Christian life and emptiness, the works 
testify of it. So brethren, the question that we have to ask ourselves individually, have we been able to carry out the Great Commission? How many people have we brought into the kingdom of God? Today, instead of going to the streets and getting raw sinners from the streets, we spend time where we've got a superior doctrine than the church next door. We spend time recruiting believers from another church to our church. And I'm not saying here, I'm not, I'm not projecting that we are not all guilty. Somewhat, we've been guilty of that. But now, the question would be, if 68 people die every minute without knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, what are we going to do about it? Here's my question to you. As a young person, do your fellow students know about the Lord Jesus Christ? Here's my question to you as a middle-aged man or middle-aged woman. Do your colleagues know about the Lord Jesus Christ? If they don't know, what have you done about it? Do your neighbors know about the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you tried somewhat to paint a picture to them of the time where we are living in and a way of escape that has been provided by God? Or have you been you have you neglected your spiritual duties? Have you been disobedient to the Great Commission? We made parallel examples between God Gospel and Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola, every day, they are out making sure they recruit as many people as possible. I'm told of a country where there was no availability of Coca-Cola. But somewhat to those people, because they, we live during a time where people travel, they traveled and tasted Coca-Cola somewhere else, and they had the desire that it should come to their country. We read that uh, there was a time where they saw a red Coca-Cola, a red truck that looked like the Coca-Cola truck. They came out of their houses and they were running after it because they were excited that finally Coca-Cola had come to their village. If people can rejoice that such a product that has got no eternal life could be brought to their village, how much more about the heavenly product, which is the salvation that guarantees eternal life? We have it, but we don't take it to the people. We have it, we don't give it to, to our children. We have it, we don't give it to our neighbors. The world is dying. Maybe with the coronavirus, God is closing the churches because he has realized that we have made idols out of these churches. Maybe he wants to take us out of the church buildings and bring us back into the streets where, as the saying goes, where the rubber hits the road. But we have to take our spiritual duties seriously by observing the Great Commission. As we bow our heads, gracious Heavenly Father, we appreciate you for the few minutes that you have granted unto us, and we pray that may this broadcast be such a blessing 
as we commit everything to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you richly. Hope to see you next time. We will have them weekly as we move right along. God bless you richly.